Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Bart Hey, y'all. It's Dave from Dadville. Hopefully by now you know that Dadville is a wonderful, fun side gig for John and I. We're both actually singer-songwriters in our real life here in Nashville. And speaking of singer-songwriter, I wanted to tell y'all about my latest release, Remembering Greatest Hits Acoustic. Over the last few months, I've been releasing some of my favorite songs I've ever recorded, and you can hear them all right now. That's literally right now. It has been so fun hearing these stripped-down acoustic versions of songs that people know and love. These are the songs that helped me build my career, and I'm so excited to share them with y'all in a new way. So, if you can, and you will, and you want to, go check out Remembering Greatest Hits Acoustic, available now. John. Dave. John. Dave. John. Dave. There it is. Okay. Are you doing the rhythm thing? Well, no, I just wanted, I was just wondering, I just, it was jazz. I was seeing what kind of response you're getting. Do you remember the first time you shaved? Oh, we're still going to do that. Well, it's jazz. I do what I want. (laughs) Nobody can box you in. But the question remains, John. Sorry. Go ahead. Do you remember the first time you shaved? Oh. Well, actually, no. I was just kind of born with stubble. Gosh, you you and George Michael. I knew it. Childbirth was painful. (laughs) Not so much for you. (laughs) However... That didn't stop me from mm-hmm. developing a regular grooming routine mm-hmm. thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Yeah, the Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0. 4.0. They've had four of them, and this is the newest one, and it's the yep. best. It's the one-stop shop for the man who deserves everything. Okay, guys? They designed this package to allow you to fully align your entire hygiene routine with elite, elite products. products. Yep. I knew you were going to say elite. Mm-hmm. So inside the Platinum Package, here's what you'll find. Tell me. A lawnmower 4.0. Okay. The trimmer. Yep. The weed whacker. Yep. Ear and nose trimmer get both which i love yep, i yep. use that thing all the time yep ultra premium body wash use good. it every day yep ultra premium two-in-one shampoo plus conditioner Beautiful. they're both in there it's one bottle but they're both in there <laughs> they do it we got the technology now ultra premium deodorant crop preserving anti-chafing ball deodorant Ooh. crop reviver ball spray toner mm-hmm. anti-chafing boxers no. and the shed travel bag to hold all your goods while you're traveling guys if we wonder why they love us, we don't know why, but we just know that they, they just do. do. In addition to shaving, you can now completely upgrade your shower routine with mm-hmm. the Ultra Premium Body Wash and the Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and love Conditioner. Ultra. Again, I don't know the science, but it's two things that are one. You'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling so, so fresh. So fresh. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts, Dave, <gasps> to their Platinum Package 4.0. It's, it's so good, but they did even more. Even more. The Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Yeah. Love them both. Yep. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DADVILLE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And be sure to use the code DADVILLE and use the Platinum Package, people, because the gold standard is no longer good enough. I see what you did there. So, so folks, we just, we had, you know, about three minutes of really... (laughs) It's the best. The best conversation yeah. you'll never hear right there until yeah. I realized that I wasn't recording. It'll be it just, was for, so just for potent. subscribers. Isn't that what they do with smart list? <laughs> That's pa- just, I can't listen to the Patreon. Jordan Peele. It's our Patreon. Yeah. 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 Um, Dang it. It's, uh, yeah, we're not letting anybody get to that unless you guys pay us 1500 bucks a month to be a part <laughs> of our Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. And you can hear all the Bart Miller. Uh, uh, st- <laughs> this is a big moment. This is where I was going with this whole mm. thing. This is We've planned this, um, I think, 
like I said, I don't know, it was like six months ago, and then you were like, we're doing a tour and selling lots of records, so we're too busy. Um, it was weird. Oh, you it's booked when the I, tour oh, no, no. right after we got you on the show. It was a year ago, April, because our album was coming out. Boom. And so our publicist made the rounds, like, who do you know and stuff, and so we talked about it, and, uh, and it didn't work out. And you also said, I don't want me to know the album dad. tanked, by the way, so oh that was God. great. <laughs> well. Thanks for that. <laughs> You're going to see a big bomb. I blame you and Nate Bergazzi. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Um, okay. So, so Bar, I have to – so, what we do is we have, like, a brag sheet that we begin with, and yours is nothing – this is no slouch. You are, you have done some things in your life, and buckle up, because this is a little bit – this is your life. I can't wait. Yeah, you ready for this? <laughs> so, we talked about this. Formed Mercy Me in 94, mm-hmm. which we just got the back on – in Texas, but quickly 94. moved to Oklahoma. No, in Oklahoma, quickly Don't moved do to that. Texas. I knew yeah, you were it was gonna close. contradict me. Um, it's so yes. complicated. Yes. Yeah, I like my version of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, that's fine. okay. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, good. Wait, um, does this play in Oklahoma? Because because yeah. <laughs> you guys have a road there. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> no, literally, we're the uh, what they tell us. We're like the inspirational song of the state of Oklahoma. It's like next to the national anthem almost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like at hockey games, they sing that instead of the national anthem. Yeah. Wait, it's inspirational song under 80 beats per minute. Oh, my God. In the fall. (laughs) In the heat of D. Yeah, an odd month. (laughs) Odd years in Oklahoma. Oh, my God. Very specific. That is so funny. (laughs) Didn't Shay from Dana Shay has a, what is he named in, in Arkansas? He has a street named after him or something? Yeah, something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, I remember being really impressed, but I'm like, God, like what's a, something there? Cul-de-sac or something. Cul- yeah. <laughs> half of a cul-de-sac. <laughs> and the other half's Dan. Yeah. Um, even circle. though he's not from there. Um, so, Dan released six independent albums, ten studio albums, two Christmas albums, and three compilation albums. Uh, nominated, mercy me, this is crazy, nominated for 15 Billboard Music Awards. Uh, won eight Dev Awards, which we call an aviary, including <laughs> Artist of the Year and Group of the Year in 2004, two American Music Awards for Favorite Contemporary Inspirational Artist. Uh, you won. This is really remarkable, truthfully. ASCAP Christian Song of the Year, which is a huge deal. Um, two solo albums, which is cool. They're not mm-hmm. with Mercy Me. You just shoved Hemmed Number One and Hemmed Again. I love that <laughs> so much, that title. Um <laughs> And uh, nominated for a Grammy for his 2008 solo album, Hemmed Again. Voted Best Male Vocalist by Christianity Today. His song, I Can Only Imagine, I don't know if you guys know that song, was made into a movie in 2018, <laughs> which this is a whole other conversation we're going to have about this. But Dennis Quaid, Cloris Leachman, Trace Atkins. For, this is crazy. Fourth highest grossing music biopic of all time. That well, is, You know that, I'm sure. No, I don't think I knew that. And highest grossing independent film of 2018. Uh, appeared on Alan's and then with, Queen came out. It's <laughs> the <laughs> fifth highest. <laughs> then Elton John, sixth, sixth highest. highest. Watch it move. But look, you paved the way, though. Uh, yeah, I those did, guys I? never would have done yeah, that. Yeah, they thought, you know, maybe there's a story with Queen. <laughs> it's working here. <laughs> maybe. Um, appeared on albums with uh, Steve Gersh Chapman, another Dadville alumni. Third day, Phil Wickham, Gloria Gaynor. Mm-hmm. What is that? That was on the last album that tanked because you wouldn't put us on the podcast. Oh my God. No. no, we did a disco song and we thought it'd be legit if we asked her. And so she did it. No way. Yeah, it's, it's was awesome. that awesome? Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. Gloria Gaynor of I Will Survive Fame. fame. Um, Toby Mac, many more. His memoir, I Can Only Imagine, was released in February. Was that in with the movie kind of thing? Sort of. The movie was just like there was all the inaccuracies of a two-hour movie. Trying oh. To cram 20. And so it was... Normally, you have a book that turns into a movie. We wrote the book as the movie's being filmed, just trying to clear things up. Were you? We're going to talk more about this, but I want to ask this just something. Were you there for the filming of the movie? I, w- I was there, uh, yeah, for most of it. When 
it's you know it's shot out of order and so when they they had half the movie done before they had the, my dad casted and so they were still they were it was between three different actors and ended up getting Dennis Quaid so I went out when he started doing his stuff which okay was like the last couple weeks of shooting okay so okay yeah. and is that is that that's that, we're gonna talk about that later okay yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay, come on <laughs> um, also wrote a children's book called I can only imagine that is a lot of stuff. Uh, it, like, it, it, if you it ever wonder you what have like I that. done with my life, I just answered for you. So here's here's something we always ask with this. Um, having heard that, mm-hmm. if if I like time jumped back mm-hmm. to like you know twenty year old Bart, or let's say eighteen okay. year old Bart, right. and I read that to him, mm-hmm. like wh- what is what is his response going to be? If I'm like this is this is going to be you, you know, this is what your life's going to be like. Oh, I think it would be a joke. I mean, like it's you know you hope you, you dream of making music, but you know actually doing it especially my growing up in a little town and my dad was he was kind of like look man you know this is before american idol and right stuff. right and right right like, the odds are so slim you know just you know get a job it was the whole thing about going to college just in for the backup plan and yeah, yeah like in case your god-given dream doesn't happen be a music teacher right There's nothing wrong with that but it's right. just like it was weird for me to spend a ton of money on something I hope to God never happens. The yeah, backup yeah. plan. Right. Right. Yeah. And so my dad passed away in ninth grade. I mean, when I'm sorry, freshman in college, he got cancer in ninth grade. And then my grandmother was the one that said, cause she was paying for my college and she goes, it's your money. If you want to just do mute, whatever. Holy cow. So I'd start a band and I was the only one that didn't work another job. I just made phone calls and played booking agent and manager and all that kind of junk. And so until the money ran out. So she, so she just said, here's the cash. Yeah. She's, you know, she saved like a college fund my whole yeah, life. Yeah, and when yeah. dad died, she knew that I'm going to be wasting money. There's no way he's finishing college. And so I'm like, I'm still a sophomore in college technically. So it keeps me young. <laughs> and uh, what, were you, young. what were you studying in college while you were there? Uh, um, what was the backup there? I think it might've been why I quit, but uh, I, I, I was going, I wanted to be uh, either an English major I don't know why, or I want to do like marketing and stuff like that. I wish I would have done marketing. Mm-hmm. That would help me in a huge way. Yeah. But do you, is, are you kind of the guy in the band that thinks that way? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, and it's funny cause the English major is not even really fair. I was the guy in high school that I didn't want to go to like the advanced English where they did like Macbeth and read a bunch of crap. And so quote I, unquote, oh uh, yes. And right. so yeah, not, not that Macbeth's crap, but uh, yeah, yeah. it was when I was in anyway. <laughs> sure. Um, and so I would, I would like, not do well to stay in the normal English, which was just grammar. <laughs> and what's funny is it's the most brilliant thing because writing lyrics, it's like I'm, I'm not a grammar Nazi, but I'm like I'm, I'm always real picky about the way things are said. Yeah, yeah, stuff like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So did you – is that – I'm always curious about people who grew up in sort of like non-musical homes mm-hmm. or especially like random towns throughout mm-hmm. the world that aren't like a Nashville or, you know, a big right, right. city where there's kind of a culture for that, sure. for creativity what was your was there like a song you wrote and you played for friends or or you know was there a moment where people were kind of like hey man like i see what you're doing and i'm affirming it or you just felt a real like i think i can figure this out no man i wish it was that deep i i um i just like the attention like uh i was the i was the <laughs> the fat answer. i was the fat kid that that you know i, I was I'm, like similar to you though i'm like i've always wanted to be funny that yeah. was my thing yeah, it was yeah. deflecting and uh and I had to seventh grade, maybe, I don't know. I had to sing a solo to go on some choir trip with my youth group and I was petrified. And so I got up and did it. And somebody's like, Hey man, you can actually sing. Wow. And so, so that was not, you, you weren't, 
thinking of yourself no, in all no. that way? Uh, I mean, as much as a kid holding a tennis racket at 10 years okay. old might, okay. but okay. not that it okay. was for okay. real. Okay, okay. And then to sing in front of him, and, and then it was like the, I, was, I don't know if it was good or not, but all the older people were like, you know, everybody's amazing in your church. Bless right, his right, heart. Right, right, you know? right, right. Like, yeah. and, and so it was enough to make me want to feel that again and sing again. And then uh, at some point during that time, like I actually, um, you know, I got, I came to know Jesus. Like grew up in church, but came to Jesus when I was like 13 or something like that. Mm. And things changed there. Uh, and I don't know, music just was always an escape. Like I'm obsessed with music always as a fan. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Just obsessed. When did that start? My whole life. Like oh, uh, the whole my, time. I have a brother that's five years older and he introduced me to, uh, electric light orchestra when I was real little. <laughs> so to me, it's like, not that they're better than the Beatles, but they were my Beatles. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like who, whichever James Bond you see first. Yeah, like I yeah, unfortunately yeah, 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 saw yeah, yeah, yeah. Roger Moore yeah, and yeah, fought, yeah. argued that for a while and realized I was wrong. That right. He was better. Right. right. <laughs> but it's my first one. <laughs> right. Well, ELO is that for me. And I was obsessed with everything ELO and Jeff Lynn's still my absolute hero. Okay. And, Have you ever uh, met him? No, okay. but, um, it's, this is about as close as I can get. It's um, So when they made the movie, the guys knew that ELO was a big deal. So the opening scene is Don't Bring Me Down is what uh-huh. they play. And then Ugh. they have like ELO albums in my room. And so the movie's out. I think we're about to do our first screening or something. There's no turning back. And I get a call from the directors. And they're like, hey, uh, we got a problem. I'm like, what? And he said, well... We got permission to use ELO stuff. Well, we just found out we had permission to hang the artwork, not use the music. And it's already out. Like it's, and, and so I'm like, well, what are you telling me for? What are we doing? He goes, well, his publicist or whoever publisher, I don't know who it was, said if, because Bart's such a huge fan, maybe he should try writing Mr. Lynn a letter to see if he'll change his mind. And so I'm sitting there sweating bullets, like Holy literally. I cow. bet I wrote it and wadded it up, wrote it, and well, like start on. So you literally did a letter. Oh, start like on my letter. phone, and it's like this is not right, and got like a pen. Like I was so oh nervous. My gosh. And I wrote this whole thing about like you know like how he changed my life and got me through all these crazy family things, everything. And so and I gave it to him. We sent it, and then about a week later, they said the pub said, "Hey, Mr. Lynn has the letter. Just to let you know, we'll keep you posted." And so never heard anything about if he read it or whatever, but the next day we got cleared for all the music. No. And so I don't want to know what really happened. I want right. to believe he yeah. read it and was yeah. like, yeah. anything for you, Bart. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I'm, so now I'm afraid he's to meet still, him and find out. He's sitting in his room with a pile of wadded up response letters. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. It's not right yeah. yet. Maybe I should type. No, I'll do it. <laughs> no, I got to stay. I get it. Felt that's, tip? And that's know. why I'll never ask or want to meet him because yeah. I want to yeah. believe that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has been. I've been on a huge Beatles deep dive, and it's so much fun hearing how you know with Paul's albums, yeah. obviously producing them. But like, I didn't realize how involved he was when they did the Beatles. Oh man, the Beatles, the, the Free Fallin', the Wilburys, yeah, all yeah. that thing. He, he, like, he's the closest thing to the fifth Beatle, I think. Yeah, yeah, and how yeah. he redid when they did the mid '90s, like the anthology yep. he produced yep. and kind of co-wrote that stuff. Yeah, with that was them. all that same season. Ever the Wilburys was his idea. He produced it all, and then you, if you listen to that behind Full it Moon Fever exactly and stuff, like yeah, it. it's like. Yeah. He's kind of like, you know, Van Halen, you know their drums. Yeah. Like, you know mm-hmm. Jeff Lynne's Well, sound. that's the thing. And I know you know this is a fan, but I'm always blown away by how he would track guitars like five of them at a time. Oh, yeah. So he'd put yeah. one mic in the middle. That's why when you hear those guitars, yep. those acoustics, they sound so unique. Yeah. And he's not laying them. He's literally like, we got three guys in a room yep. around one mic playing 
Yeah, we just, just did that. We're working on an album right now. We're about to hand in, and we just we were going did a deep dive on these documentary stuff, and ended up doing that on like half the songs just to try. No way. Yeah, yeah it sounds great. Does it sound yeah. Does it yeah. sound like that? Yeah, it sounds amazing. It's unbelievable. Like, yeah, there's four guys around it, and just and it, yeah, it's killer. It's yeah, so cool. It. So yeah. so so did you so there so there wasn't a moment. Well, did you have a song though, even in high school, like even college, where you wrote and people kind of went, "Hey." Now, I never wrote a song until I was twenty-five, twenty-four, twenty-five. So, how old were you when when you were talking about the choir trip? Were you that would have been uh, like six, sixth or seventh grade? I think it was oh, sixth wow. grade. I'd just gone to youth group, and that was the thing they did, and I didn't okay. know. It. So I sang that, but I didn't. Uh, I would no, no. I'm sorry, I wasn't twenty-five. I was probably, I was probably twenty two or 23 i was already i'd already given up on college but our guitar player mike who's two years younger than yeah, me yeah. was in some community college class and he had to write a song and he's like man i don't know how to do this I like well, i don't either and so the first song i ever wrote was trying to get something for his class and I think no we got way a b or something done like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'll never forget i took songwriting at mtsu true story and now i think of this and i'm like what in the heck but I wrote a song, and I'd, I'd been writing a couple years, so it wasn't that was good, but I had some familiarity with it. And I remember turning in the song, and the guy who was a professional songwriter in Nashville, who I don't remember, and I don't even know who he is and what happened to his life, but I remember him saying at the end of the assignment, we were supposed to write like a blues song, and I wrote this thing, whatever, and turned in. And I remember I was like, hey, man, I'd love to, like, what'd you think of the song? I'd love to get it back. And he's like, it was great. And I was like, and this one, you give him tapes. Right, literally, right, like right. You'd go home yeah. and record it on a little thing and then turn it in. And he's like, oh, I just kept it. And I was like, and even, I didn't know anything about copyright law. I was like, oh, sort of, he's like, it's great. I just kept it. I was like, hmm, doesn't feel legal, but I'm 20 and I don't really know what to do about that. So I was like, okay. He's like, you want your A, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I took a songwriting class in college as well. And I have a song called Blue Skies. Oh, one of my favorites. I wrote that for that class. Isn't that funny? I wrote that. Like, it makes absolutely no sense. It is such a good whatsoever. song. But I was like going to the class and we, I ran into somebody who was, who was also in the class and it was like in an hour and he was like, hey, did you, did you finish your song? And I was like, we, ha we have to write a song today? So I went to a practice room and it's just like bouncy poppy it's so and, it, good, and the words make absolutely no were sense. you already a songwriter at this point you just thought you'd hone your skills in this class i was yeah i was like starting to write songs what's the title of the first song you wrote oh i don't like this game come on man at all I, well I, the first <sighs> when i was a kid i would write like songs on the piano that had no words right. so they had no titles but i can i can remember the first two that i wrote still uh -huh. what's the first song that had a title and what was the title <laughs> They we're going to put an ad right here. So Mine just, was I Can Only Imagine. You guys go no. next. No. <laughs> I give that song a B. Like a solid B. It's a solid B. It's above average. I should have handed that one in. <laughs> I, mine was called Sailor's Lullaby. Oh, was it really bad? That's that could be that could be a Sean Colvin song, and everybody would love it. That's, so, that's very And it Sailor. probably was why you wrote it. Yeah. It's about the same time. Mark Cohn. <laughs> close I mean, enough. Very close company. Oh, I man. I think mine was called Spot on Line. That's cool, See? too. Yeah, I'm assuming these aren't like Christian songs. Yeah, kinda, no. yeah. See, mine. Oh, Come on, what is it like? Savior's hands or Jesus tears? 
All for the Tears one who the won for all. <laughs> no, that's actually that shows your cleverness pretty early, though. It's yeah. just long. <laughs> yeah, that was the call. That was that song for that class. Bill Gather is somewhere right now, well, going glory yes. be quiet. Something is I, yeah. different in the air. There's a. <laughs> yeah. I need to go to. He the told piano. me I'm just going to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> that that I will say this though. The name of my band, however, <laughs> was Fishers of Men. That's your. Mm-hmm. Is that your first band? That yes. That was. Were you ever in a band? Were you ever in a band? I was never in a band. No, I should not have been in a band. All the guys um, who I was in the band with, who, you know, uh, they would tell you if you sat with them, been like Dave was miserable to be in a band with. My, well, I don't know <laughs> if I was in the band. I uh, lead singer of a band in high school couldn't make it, and so I had to fill in for some like high school dance. And our name was the Chubby Stick Men. Wow. And our logo is a stick man, but the line in the middle is just a circle. <laughs> <laughs> arms, legs, and a head. That is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I was the only big guy in the band, so I don't know if they changed it just for me or what. Was, You're like, guys, it wasn't the name of the band before. hurtful. I <laughs> hoping Dave so, Thomas would have been here today. So, 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 we actually can <laughs> yeah. get him. He's the mayor. We can bring him in. Yeah. So, so tell me this. with When you started writing songs, was it something that you loved doing? Was it something you felt like, okay, this this has got some legs. <clears throat> no, no, really, um, no. This I, is I really surprising. Well, okay. I uh, there was a time in high school where I, 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 um, you know, I was everything in my youth group. Not I was everything about the youth group was big to me, and we I went to all these youth groups and I mean uh, church camps, and they always had somebody that would you know like White Hearts playing or, yeah, some, oh, or Al uh, Denson, who yes. know, yeah. And Al I was I, there was a part of me that was like I want to I want to do that, yeah, but that's still. I should have set my goals higher, but uh, at the time I was like, I want to be a guy that does church camps. That's yeah, that's that a good place huge to start. Yeah. Well, but, so, but, but, but to be fair, if because I grew up and I know John did too, going to church camps. Like as a kid at that, and if you saw live music, it was right. like seeing ACDC. Yes. It, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, and I'm thinking he's doing this all year long. This is the greatest gig ever. Like, and you go to camp every week. Like, <laughs> as a 13 year old, that seems like every heaven. Box. That yeah. seems like heaven. Yeah. And so, uh, and so, I wanted to do that. And um, random, a, a friend of mine in high school, her, her mom would write those church youth group musicals like the sheet music oh like yeah a, you yeah, know and yeah, yeah. she was she would write these and work for some guy that worked with word records she lived right there in my hometown i couldn't i couldn't believe it and it was and she said hey there's this songwriting do you remember a thing called a is it gma in the rockies or whatever oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah where they do it at um at Estes Park Estes or whatever. Park, yes. Yeah. It used to be this thing to where if you want like Christian music, you go out there for like a camp and that you could sing and they would critique you and you'd do all, it was like a, it's like a church camp for yeah. people who want to sing. Well, there was this year they decided they were going to take that gig on the road. And so they, they came to like all these big cities and you could come almost like American Idol. You could come and you would sing. There wasn't like a, I think there was a winner, but they would critique you. And then there was this little tiny record, uh, label that like if you made it to this we would sign you pretty sure it was a scam because yeah, like yeah. i think i'd be paying for my own record anyway but uh but i went and i remember the judges were my my uh my friend's mom steve camp oh my gosh steve camp. and uh somebody else i can't remember and i got up and sang i had like jeans on i was way into Stephen chris chapman like in that more to this life kind of uh-huh, era uh-huh. and i had my shirt untucked wore these these boost stuff and i sang i think i had a mullet uh uh, and when I got done, all of their critique sheets said, everybody, uh, everybody here can sing. You need to figure out how to write songs or something like that. 
And wow. That was it. Not great. Not good job. Like everybody here can obviously sing. You need to, yeah, focus on writing. Because I sang covers. I guess other people were singing original oh, songs. I just God. sang. Oh, okay. I did, I've never. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what the takeaway is from that. But yeah, I just sang Steve McCurry's Chapman songs. And maybe, I don't know, I'm assuming other people were singing original stuff. Yeah. Maybe. And because uh, they're probably an actual an artist trying to make it. I'm just like, hey, I get to do a solo outside my church. You know, is what it felt like. Uh-huh. Well, oh, and also tuck in your shirt. Those are the things no. that said, yeah, yeah. Have some self-respect. Right, 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 right. It's, <laughs> or just yes. respect us yes. as judges, at it's least. It's the savior of the world, for, you know, and it's <laughs> yeah. like tucking your shirt. And um, and so, my bad. So, anyway, and so, like, I, at first, I was kind of offended by the untucked shirt, but uh, then I was like, I really thought, I'm never going to, I can't cover songs. I can't, YouTube's not around where you can get paid to cover people, but. I was like, I, I, that, that's going to be the end of it, you know, because I always thought maybe other people write songs for me or whatever. And so that's when I kind of started. And um, we started the band just to be, we were a cover worship band just for our youth groups, all yeah, we yeah. were doing. We did a, a few of those. And then at some point, I loved leading worship, but I just got tired of singing all these songs. And, I, and so we also wanted to be a rock band. We were big into Pearl Jam. And so we tried to write these awful rock songs. <laughs> awful yeah and so in our live shows back in the day like after the Friday night football game at the fifth quarter we would we fifth would quarter. we would play <laughs> we Jeez. would play our our rock songs and they would stare at us like we have a horn coming out of our head and then we like uh, do Lord lift name on high and then they'd go nuts yeah, yeah. and uh and so at some point we we're like man there's got to be a way to do both and so we we the first my first attempt at actually writing uh was an album that was same same format of worship songs on PowerPoint, a verse and a chorus you sing a hundred times over and over. But we tried to do write our own original that would cover us for all the summer camps that were paying the bills for the rest of the year. And on that album, the last song on the album was I can only imagine. Jeez, Liz. and uh, didn't fit the didn't fit the mold. It wasn't the typical PowerPoint thing. So we mm-hmm. never played it live for almost a year. And just did the other like things that had hand signs or whatever, and then at some, <laughs> at some, I'm not kidding. Everything you were saying is hitting such a yeah. specific oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, in yeah. Me. and yeah. it's like, can we come up with? I mean, it's like, and everything TikTok does, I feel like we did just because it's like do a dance, That's do hand true. signs, that come up true. with something they won't forget. It's like all the stuff, man. Come on. What and are the uh, hand signs for? I can only imagine. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, that was, yes, yes. It's so I swear we should start an app called Church Camp and just do TikTok. Oh um, gosh. But uh, anyway, and so some uh, speaker at the camp said, "Hey, can you do? I can only imagine for the, the the Friday night altar call or whatever." And we were like, "We don't know it. Like we've never played it." So we were behind the curtain at Hardin Simmons University, and no way. And uh, we were learning our song as quietly as possible while he's preaching. <laughs> and then the curtain opens and we play Imagine for the first time ever after it's been on the album for a year. And, um, and you know, the lights on your face you can't see. And we finished and it was dead quiet. And we thought, this is just like our rock stuff. They hate it. Like no one's doing anything. And when the lights came up, they were like at the altar crying and like wow. and praying and stuff. And so it was like, wh- what's happening? And so, yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know what the original question was. Sorry. But it's it's so <laughs> interesting though, because... Before you got here, mm. Dave and I are, you know, talking about what we're going to talk about, and we're talking about that song. And I remember that song was, you couldn't get bigger than that song. Mm. I mean, that song was massive, massive. And I remember, I'm a piano player, so, you know, of course, it's got right. me from the jump. And <laughs> I covered it a million times. It's so interesting to me, though, that you guys 
didn't you sat on it basically for a year yeah we did because it didn't fit the other stuff was working like as corny as it was we were like yeah and we were killing it at church camps and we knew the fall was going to be slim to nothing so when you're sitting on it all that year are you like i know this song is going to be big or is going to be something because it's so interesting to think that it that you thought well maybe this song just isn't going to be anything then it ends up being the you know one of the biggest songs ever. Yeah, I wish I could say yeah. Of course I did, but uh, mm-hmm. um, it was uh, like I was so locked into uh, you know what kids are responding to, and mm-hmm. and that and this is what we absolutely had to do. That it, it just that was that song was so for me and nobody else when I right. wrote it, mm-hmm. and uh, and so in that year also it wouldn't have been a lot of fun to sing because my dad passed away in 91 i wrote the song in 99 the movie says acts like it happens in five minutes but but that was the first time like you know that i had really addressed any of that and just and so it was very therapeutic but also like i don't know if i want to do this and it just didn't mm-hmm. see like we either doing pearl jam and meets hootie and the blowfish and our little concert or or doing you know these these corny yeah. worship songs right. so it just didn't make sense to me and so uh but what was crazy about that the independent record it was on like back then if we would have sold a thousand cds yeah. in a year we yeah. could have paid our phone bill we all lived together in this old abandoned daycare in oklahoma what yeah yeah it was <clears throat> that's the beginning of a horror movie <laughs> well it was when we decided to be a band uh, well okay so well, let me answer that and then I'll explain it to you because how we got to be a band is pretty funny. But, um, um, so we would, if we sold a thousand CDs in a year, like out of the trunk of our car, that was awesome. Well, yeah. that album that year sold like 180,000. That is insane. And what wow. year is this? This was 99, 2000. That is bananas. Uh, and it was just from our camps and our, there from was the, no, and, oh, no, I'm sorry. Geez. And we, uh, my wife and I were shipping CDs to like 400 bookstores. It's like uh-huh. Mardell and all these places yeah, that oh, would yeah. sell back when they would sell. And it was killing us. Like the work, be, everything but being on stage was killing us. Cause we're doing it all. We didn't have a manager and have anything. <laughs> Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing you know? or your leather belt. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant? Not really, okay. but speaking of, oh, Dave, wow, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to try to transition to okay. save you. <laughs> Finally, Dave, Yeah. warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am I right? Gosh. Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant. Knock around is the solution. They've been making high-quality shades that don't break the bank since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go-tos for years. Oh, yeah. I love Knockaround, John. They have over 20 different frame styles, so there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) spend some relaxation time in the yard, or cruise down Broadway with the windows down like Dave does Uh all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday Mm -hmm. and Saturday. Mm -hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, I've tried that and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair 
just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not ground Don't fight me because like of the karate stuff. But it could so. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Don't make it bad to take my questions and give me answers. Dave, what's your favorite thing to make in the kitchen? A. And B, why is it mac and cheese? <laughs> Guilty as charged. But when I do make it, I make yeah. sure to use my caraway. caraway yeah, you I knew, why did you I knew where you were going. Caraway's home cookware and bakeware are non-toxic, so you can make healthier cooking a piece of cake. That's unattended. true. That's nice. Man, yeah, you're on fire you. today. Yeah, yeah. Caraway's home's non-toxic kitchen wares are all designed for the modern home Oof. and feature a chemical-free... I hate chemicals. I, I don't want them in the kitchen. They feature a chemical-free ceramic coating so food can be prepared with peace of mind that no hard-to-pronounce mm. compound yeah. will leach into your healthy ingredients. Get it Gross. Out of Can I ask you a question? Please. How do you use your Caraway cookware? Well, I tell you how often I use it. Tell me. Just about every day. No. Dave. Yeah. Every and day. I love it. Here's the thing. Okay. When I put it on the stove, the hardest thing about using it is I don't want to put anything in there because it's, it's just beautiful. The, it's beautiful. I kind of want to jump in there and just slide around. <laughs> Is that weird to say out loud? No. I don't want to be cooked. I mean, don't tell a lot of people that, but I'm with (laughs) you on it. Listen, well, I'm with you. The cookware set is a modern and chemical-free iteration of the traditional 16-piece set Mm -hmm. boiled down to four essentials. A fry pan. Yep. Guess the rest. Saute. Yep. Got to have sauce pan. Yep. And then we end with the Dutch oven. Gosh. Look, I'm all about the essentials, Dave. And the bakeware set is an assortment of non-toxic baking essentials every modern kitchen needs. Go get it. So you can get baking goods without any of the bags. See what I did? Yeah, I do. And I'm still seeing it. Visit carawayhome.com slash dadville to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners. So you listening, this is for you. Visit carawayhome.com slash dadville and use the code dadville at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware, made modern. So I have a I have a lot of questions, and I'm sorry, but here we go. So so it's uh, it is obviously selling so much. You, are, I mean, this is kind of an obvious question, but you are seeing, wow, this thing is moving. I thought it was the other songs on the record. I'm not even lying. That's actually what I was kind of going to ask. Because you're not selling a single. You're selling right, a record. Right, right. And, and everything else on there was what we do at camp. And so it was like, we weren't giving them a chance to hear Imagine because we weren't playing it live. I had no concepts of people going home with a CD and, and handing it around and getting into it. And there was no radio play. And so I just thought, these kids are going nuts over this verse and a chorus and and so that's it we're killing it realizing that they did not contribute to probably one cd sold (laughs) and it was just because of that the when i found when i realized it was a big deal was that was my next question like when was that moment uh well it was when when amy grant called and wanted it but it wasn't that it i mean that was huge but when she called me we were doing a conference somewhere in iowa i think and is this 99 still this would have been it had to be nine nine two thousand. I wrote it, and I'd say it's probably two thousand. Okay, um, and um, well, maybe ninety nine. She called and said, uh, 
she goes, hey, I, she called her and she said, hey, Bart, this is Amy Grant. And I was like, whatever. And I hung up on her because there's no way it's Amy Grant. Yeah, it's no way. And no she way. calls back. She's like, don't hang up. <laughs> and I'm like, well, who is it? She goes, this is Amy Grant. I was like, come on, man. She goes, no, I'm serious. It's Amy Grant. And I heard her say, I should have had Jen call ahead or something like that. And and she goes, listen, she goes, before you hang up again, she's like, I have this movie. I, I want to say, I pro- hope I get it right. This movie producer, somebody that was that had cancer in California. And somebody had given her, given this movie producer, Imagine, that album. Wow. And somehow she passed it on to Amy, like, you're my only connection. Have you ever heard this song? Or maybe to her manager, Jen. And I think, yeah, that's what it was. And Jen told me that she didn't know how, she goes, this song was huge. You guys know her to be found. And she goes, I wanted this to be Amy's, like, next El Shaddai. So she put it in Amy's car, queued it up, and didn't say a word. And so then Amy called, drives, she leaves in her car. She calls Jen and says, I don't know what this is. I listened to it like 20 times in a row. I can't stop crying. And so then she called me because Jen was like, I don't think they're doing anything. They're not on a label. They're not, you know, you need to record the song. So she called and said, I really want to record it. And we, we at that point decided we didn't want to sign a record deal for a couple of reasons. One, we we moved. We lived in Nashville briefly in 96. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we lived here for a year down and off Ellington Parkway. And Jeez. It's funny because like, everybody kept talking about East Nashville. I thought it was some magical place. I'm like, that's, like, that's where I lived. And we got shot at when I lived there. Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. And, uh, and so we lived there, did a showcase uh, at, a, at a church in Smyrna. And these labels came and... Because we were doing all these worship things at conferences and like Audio Adrenaline would be there, Big Ten Revival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would tell, hey, this band like got a following. You need to check them out. Our rule was whatever Caveman's Call was doing independently, that's what we wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, and so um, and so we did the showcase because friends of ours convincing labels come watch it. Did our dumb concert of original songs. No one cared. And then and it was a youth group we obviously we had also been leading worship at during that year. So we told them, you better act like we're the Beatles. And so these kids went nuts. They're like, who? You're like, ELO. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, right. And so they went nuts. <laughs> well, when we were done with our 10 original songs, they wouldn't stop cheering. We're like, no, no, too much, too much. We don't have an encore. Stop, stop. And they just, they did what they were told and went berserk. So we're like, we had to go back out. And so all we knew is to do worship songs, which were the songs these kids knew inside and out because we did every Wednesday. When we did that, everything went up a whole notch. These kids were into it, like to where we left, whatever the last song was, they kept singing a cappella like U two forty. Jeez. And I remember being on the side and there was this moment to where I just I was in tears because I was like, Whatever this is, that's it. This is what I want to do. Wow. And it was the worship, not just being on stage. I'd done that. Mm-hmm. And right when that was like this God moment, like these guys and these labels came back and the first thing they said was, Man, uh it, everything was okay. The worship was weird. Like we don't do worship. Integrity does worship. Like that was back in the day. And, and they were like, so, and for some reason that really ticked me off. Like I was, I was like, how did you not read the room? And, and so that was like, I remember the next morning, it's like, it was almost like a hangover feeling. I'm assuming. Cause I was just like, what do we do now? Everything we've done has led to this and I don't yeah. want any part of it. And we got the same, the, the call to go to Dallas for that whole Dawson McAllister deal, that, that call came that day after the showcase. Oh, wow. And so we packed up, moved to Dallas. We're in a, but that's when I realized I don't, my dream was to be a part of this, but it's nah, not I don't want, don't want to do it. And so, and, at, and then we, we were selling so many CDs. Like I remember when, when we signed, 
we were an independent band. We were making 30 grand a year each and we had 401ks. We had, yeah. cause our drummer is very responsible and we had insurance and we're like, and I remember my youth minister guys were making like 25 a year. And I was like, if I can just make that one day, well, I was beating them. So I'm like, I don't mm -hmm. want to touch a thing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm the richest man on the planet. That's what it felt right. like, you know, this is all I need is this ashtray. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And so, and so I was just in heaven and, uh, and, and so when Amy called, I was like, okay, uh, next El Shaddai, that's a good, that's a good lead in. And I'm like, if I ever have kids, they'll go to college because Amy Grant yeah. and I don't want to do this. So we're like, of course you can. Yes, absolutely. You can have it. And so right when that happened, all of these labels heard about it from whoever, from Nashville, I guess Nashville talking and heard that. There's this band that her wrote Amy's song. her comeback song. And so we started getting all these offers, like, without hearing a note of our music. So they hadn't heard Imagine yet. No, they knew we wrote it. And they're like, we want we want whatever that is. Yeah. And so, uh, um, anyway, so we got these offers, and we're like, this is weird. Like, they haven't even, they don't, they don't even, have, they haven't heard anything. And uh, and so uh, we were didn't know what to do, and, and we did realize that we hated shipping stuff and doing all the other stuff. Yeah. And so... That sounds like a nightmare. Sorry, it is. It nightmare. is a nightmare. I hate if I have to send oh, anything. Oh yeah. If I have to go to FedEx, it oh, takes me three weeks. About once in a blue moon, I'll get a picture of some kid going, "Hi, could you sign this? Send it back." I'm like, "Poor kid." Yeah. He's never yeah. getting that. Never gonna see that. <laughs> I mean, this is so for those who are listening. <laughs> this guy. this is this is the reality, and I mean, you know, you guys uh, did this before we did, but John and I know this world well, where. You would get orders on your website yep. every mm -hmm. week, and then you would compile them, which was awesome because mm -hmm. it was real money. I mean, people yeah. were paying 10 bucks a record yeah. or whatever. I mean, yeah. I used to get checks in a P.O. box. There you go. Like, I would go to my so P.O. box. So, Words was the one that hit me to P.O. boxes. Yeah. He was yeah. one like, no, you can't put your home address, put your P.O. box. Because you have so many you fans out there. so many fans. I will you. tell you one of my favorite moments of my life. This is the only time it's ever happened. I was mowing my yard when we lived over a couple blocks from uh -huh. here. This is 10 years ago. Mm. True story. I'm mowing my yard, and a car drives by. They stop. They pull back, and two girls run out, give me a huge hug, run back into their car, and drive off. And I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> like, they were just like, oh, my God. Like, I'm mowing the yard. I just stopped the mower. They're like, can we give you a Because, like, sure. They're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then they ran back in the car. <laughs> I was like, I guess that is a thing. <laughs> but um, And I married both of them. Oh. For a minute. Right. I was in still Utah. still on the, on the oh, other block. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> But like, you know, the, the normal thing for us in that season mm -hmm. was you'd get, or, I mean, people listen to this, especially if you're younger, you're like, what is this magic you're right. talking about? This dark magic, but you get, and then you'd kind of get, you'd get your CDs, you put them in the little CD sleeves, mm -hmm. you remember yeah, yeah. the little yeah. media mail yeah. and you'd put a little, you know, if you're smart and you know, all, this is all words taught me all this stuff. Like put a sticker yeah. in there and a little handwritten note. It's like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it's genius. You know, yeah. and then they're like, oh, I got a sticker too, you know, but you do your big PO box runs. And you and, wanted to, you wanted to have enough to make your trip to the mailbox, the post office yes. big enough. But then you're like, exactly. Then you're like, oh, those dudes on the bottom of the box, they've been waiting a few weeks. I know, that's exactly right. <laughs> like my customer service part was, <laughs> it was awful. Terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible. But, but that, so, so, so you guys, obviously, it's working. Yeah. But, then, but that's when y'all did I&O, right? Like, which well, was that's what happened was thing. it was working when we did 1,000 cities a, a, a year. Yeah. But then, and we didn't realize until when we signed with I&O 
uh, which is we're on the same label as change your name, but same people ever since, but they're the ones that got the numbers and were like, Hey, you did like 160, 180,000 units, which was why we were dying. Like I cannot imagine no. shipping that. And, and if, I can't, sorry. I can only imagine yeah. shipping that right. many. And, and, we, and we didn't Thank know you. at the time, we just knew it never would end. And it yeah. was like, and, uh, it never would yeah. Be. And so, and so, uh, we had different offers, but we were weirded out because they never heard our music. But I met this lawyer, a guy named Mark Maxwell here in town. I met him when, uh, briefly, he was for a very short time. He was part of, he was a A&R for a label called 40 records. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he found us and he's like, he was one of the guys who wanted to sign us and he was the sweetest guy. So nice. And it was between us and another band called like Three Strand or something like that. Scott Williamson, the drummer, was it's his band. Jeez. Well, they obviously chose them over us. And um, but we stayed friends. And so I remember calling Mark, and I was like, "Man, uh, like I'm not just begging to be on a label to be on a label. I'm sick of sending we these need CDs help. out. Yeah. Like, and a manager's like, without a label, you can't have a manager. And labels like, without a manager, you can't have a label. It's like, it's like, where do I start? He goes, okay, I'm going to tell you, you got to call this guy named Jeff Mosley. No, he said, call this other guy that had a label. I can't remember the name. Uh, Sam Chapel, I think was his name. And he said, uh, he said, call him. He's doing this new business model that, like, it's a partnership. You pay for the album budget. He pays for marketing. But obviously, some kid in the in their, you know, new kid can't afford this. Yeah. But you guys have something going. So it's meant to, you know, both can either win big or lose big. Like, you're investing in it. And then he goes, well, you know what? Don't call him because he has like the the Toyota version of it. Jeff Mosley's doing like the Lexus version called INO. Same business model. He's working with Brooklyn Tabernacle. And call him and let him turn you down and send you to Sam. That was the idea because Mark was like, I'd kick myself if you didn't check with Jeff first. Yeah. So I remember calling Jeff and he answered. I'm like, Mr. Mosley, uh, my name is Bart Miller and I'm with this band, Mercy Me. And I'm trying to get out because I think he's going to hang up on me. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. And uh, Amy Grant wants my song. And you the greatest, you know, that kind of thing. And you are my greatest fan. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, so, and so he goes, hold on. And he clicks over. And I swear I thought he hung up on me like the rudest way possible. Like he put me on hold is never coming back. And I'm sitting there going, no, he wouldn't. Surely I'm, surely I'm on hold. Right, right. And he finally comes back. He goes, okay, tell me all that again. And I was like, can I, uh, wh- what happened? Like, he said, well, he goes, you just called. I was on the other line with my wife praying about how this business model would work with a new artist. Literally. What? And he goes, and you called in the middle of it. And oh, he dude, said, that gives me goosebumps. And he told her, he said, I got to call you back. And sure enough, like that was like on a Thursday, Tuesday, the next Tuesday, he was in Dallas with a contract in front of us. Jeez. And um and he knew our music inside and out already from that album and and told us like this one song has sold a ton of records. The others will never be heard by humans again. <laughs> and we're like, yes, sure. sir, Mr. Mosley. In the contract. Yes, right, yes. That's right. I will yeah. <laughs> and we were like and he was the only one that even took the effort to meet us in person. So we signed it. Yeah. We were just like, Yep, we're in Which which now, I mean, you guys were geniuses. It could have it could have like the thing is we were so in if it would have tanked we would have lost yeah, gone down yeah. with it yeah. yeah but you know we we uh, yeah we own all of our own publishing everything from That's that amazing. deal he was the smallest label and he's like i don't have anything to offer but i can i can keep as much of what you you uh, you can own as much as you know like let's i don't want the publishing yeah, i don't yeah. want this or whatever and so when it did win, it was like winning the lottery. It I mean, you look huge. like geniuses. Yeah. And that's why we've been with, you know, we're still with him to this day. And, um, and it's just like every time a record deals over, we're like, we don't know how to make it better. So 
We'll just let's keep yeah, going. Let's so, so with that song especially, he has to like, buy his dinner. The, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, this time Fleming. Yeah, I was gonna say Captain <laughs> yeah. D's for a while, right, but right. now it's Fleming. <laughs> so, so, so with a song like that, it feels like it's had all these lives. Mm-hmm. So did yeah. Amy's? I actually forgot about Amy. She did it, so she released it. She did. What happened was was uh, Amy. So she's gonna record it. Amy takes her sweet time and everything, and so. In that during that time she was gonna release it, we signed and the the we signed with I know and they the whole thing was gonna be from the writers of Amy Smash It Imagine, here they are. So yeah. she was supposed to come out first, then us. Well a year later she's still nowhere near it. And so we're and our album's done. We're like, what do we do? Did y'all re record it? Well, we the, the agreement was it was her song, her single. We did re record it and put it on a B side in our album just to show, you know, and, and she was totally cool with that. Like and so, but we were ready to release the album. And, uh, and what's crazy is during that season when she's recording, she invited my wife and I, Shannon, to, to come meet her. And I'm a massive fan. And I was so nervous. And my wife's a massive fan. So we went to Sound Kitchen. Mm-hmm. And she's working on the song. And so, and I'm like all things music producers, musicians, and I'm about it all. Yeah. So I walk in and you know, this guy's at the board, he's by himself. It's like right after lunch. So I guess Amy's out to lunch and it's just him. And I'm like, I'm knocking. I'm so nervous. And he spins around. It's Brown Bannister. Ugh. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's Brown. And I'm freaking out, but trying to be cool. Cause like I, most people probably wouldn't know who that is, but I was freaking oh, out yeah. that Brown was there. And, uh, and so he's the nicest guy on the planet. We start talking and stuff and he's like, man, I want to play it for you. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Let me call Amy and see if she's cool or if she wants to wait. Well, Amy was so nervous. She goes, play it all for him. Like maybe even get rid of him for she Cause she was doing vocals next and she didn't want me to be there. And so then I thought I'm going to hear the song and be shoot off and never meet her. But he goes, no, no, you can say hi on the way out. So Brown starts playing this. And this is when Creed arms wide open was huge. And it was this arms wide open, massive, massive production I've ever heard of Imagine. And he's playing this, and we're sitting behind him in the couch, and it's like my hair just flopped. It's so much stuff going on in a good way. I'd never heard any, like, we were doing ADATs yeah, yeah, in a yeah, Mackie yeah, yeah, yeah. soundboard. That's yeah. all we did. And one day we linked two ADATs and made amazing magic. But, uh, <laughs> uh, and he, he turns in the middle of it. I'm just like, I don't know what to say. And he goes, I got to apologize. We, we haven't gotten London Symphony on it yet. Uh, and, oh my and I'm like, you know, and I'm just freaking out. And then, I still listening before the song's over, there's a hand on my shoulder and there's Amy and, and I'm like in tears. So I'm like, it's just, oh, it's just wow. overwhelming. It's like, how do you process what's happening right now? Well, and so, uh, we hit it off and I was like, this is the most insane thing I ever heard. I can't wait. So then, uh, fast forward a few months and still nothing. And ultimately what kind of happened was that, um, she got married to Vince and a lot of the Christian world turned on her because oh, of the yeah. divorce. Yeah. And, uh, and so they, that's why they delayed everything. Like, what are we doing? Like, what do we do? And so, um, and in that we were sitting there going, what do we, we're just sitting on a record. And so we went ahead and released it, put out our first single was a song called bless me and Deke is prayer Jabez. And it was the worst. It tanked. It's like, I, I, I didn't even know you could, I didn't know there was a top 50 to not get into in Christian radio. We nailed it. <laughs> it's, I thought if you just put one out, you're in the top 50. And no, we couldn't even get close to it. And so it was a flop and we were just like, oh man, like everything about signing a record deal, like our sales before as independent were better. And yeah, now we yeah, got to split yeah, the yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a big mistake. 
And so it's time for the second single. Like Mosley, our label's like, let's let's forget, shake it off, shake it off. Let's move on to the next one. And one last time, our manager, Brickle, he called Amy's people and just said, any chance it might come out anytime soon. We're dying here. And Amy got on the phone and said, you should take it back. Like, wow. She's like, uh, they tested it a couple of, there was a, literally like two cities, Spokane and Birmingham, played our independent version. It was like their song of the year for that in, year in Countdown. Literally the only two towns, which happened to be the only two places for some reason that, or maybe it wasn't the only two places they checked, but those stations were like, I don't know if we can play it. We just wore out Mercy Me's version. So they were getting a little bit pushed back. And so Amy's like, this is like a train that's not stopping. This is going to change your lives. Wow. You need to finish what you started. Jeez, man. And so this was back when, you know, if you would ship CDs to radio stations and say, play this. And it was the night before it was going to go. And so we spent all, this is like a Thursday night, maybe. I don't know if songs were dropping on Fridays back then. Maybe they were. But we spent all night calling their voicemail to say, don't play it in the morning. Give us a week. And then we just burned CDs with the label as fast as we could and put them in those sleeves and shipped them to every station and got it there in a week. And then everything went nuts. And so Amy eventually did, she did an acoustic hymns called legacy album that her and Vince did that are all acoustic hymns. And she put an acoustic version of imagine that's all there was. And the other one nowhere to be found. Like it got, it got destroyed. Like Brown said, they just, they killed the masters. Hmm. And so I'm like, so you don't even have a version. No, of no. I heard it that day. And that's the only time I went away. But that was what those stations heard of hers. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. And then, but didn't it, so, so y'all's released, but then you had, wasn't it sometime later that it yep. did the mainstream yes. release? We released it in a, in a, we released it to Christian radio and, and like, a, the only reason I know this because it's around when my first son was born. So we released it like October of 2001. Right. And, uh, and in January, uh, the January 4th of 2002, which my son was born that week, I happened to be holding, I was home with my newborn doing an interview and they told me on the air that it just gone number one, it went number one the same week Sam was born. And so that's the only reason I remember wow. that. And so, uh, and it, and it, man, it, it's, it sold our album went from, I think we sold like 4,000 units our street week. And which at, for a new artist, I guess was admirable. And then it, but it went down fast, like huh. nothing. And then it went up to about 20,000 units a week Jeez. for about a year. Like it went, oh so it went platinum during the Christian run. And then we, had, we recorded the next album called Spoken For, and we already were pushing the first single. And, uh, and it, had, it was just like a week or so away from going number one on Christian charts. And I get a phone call, and they're like, hey, dude, um, you need to turn on this top 40 station in Dallas. They're playing Imagine. I was like, oh, there's no way. And this is right after 9-11, so it was a little bit of the perfect storm, I think. For all People ask, why did it happen? I just Things lined up in a weird way. And, um, and so this, play, this guy was doing a like Howard Stern shock jock kind of show. It was called, literally the show is called Fitz and Big Gay Steven in the Morning. That's their morning wow. show. And he would do a truth or dare where people call and dare him to do perverted things on the air. Well, somebody called and dared him to play Imagine. And he was like, that's the dumbest thing ever. We're not that kind of show. Well, then his fans started dogging him for not taking the dare. And so he said, all right, if somebody gets me the song. And somebody drove the song to the station and got it to him. And he played it. And by this time, I'm getting a call saying, you need to get on. They're playing your song. So I turn on the station. It's called a Jack FM is what it's called. 
And when I turn on, all they're saying is quit calling. We'll play it again. Are and so serious for the, amazing. for the next four hours, it's the only song they played for the rest of the show over and over. And they would stop and talk for like 30 minutes and play it again. And people were calling in like in the droves, like crying, like thanking them and stuff. And he started saying like, I'm rumor has it. The guy that wrote it lives in Dallas. He needs to be calling me or whatever. And so I was so scared and especially because, like, growing up a little church boy in a show called Fitz and Big Gay Steve, and I was like, I didn't yeah. know. This is this is not my yeah. field of expertise. Yeah, right, right, right. right. And, uh, and so I finally got the nerve to call, and and uh, and we talked for an hour or so till the end of the show, and he was like, what is happening with the song and all this stuff? And people would call and talk to me and in tears and everything. And, and, uh, and, it was, and so, yeah, it started. It was just a big deal at this Dallas station. And uh, they were one of the first ever to use the internet to have fans vote their top 10. And for six months, we were number one and J-Lo and, uh, no, 50 Cent in the club was two. And then J-Lo and L Cool J had a song that was three. Those were the top three for six months. And we never went off number one during that time. Well, during that- When did you guys all tour together? Then? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. And, like uh, a summer it, run. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Rock, paper, scissors. Who's closing? And- uh, <laughs> So, uh, wait. I'm just trying to make sure I get the timeline right. Your version of that song had gone number one. January we had already gone platinum year, for that uh, year. Uh, uh, in two, two thousand one. Two thousand. We released in two thousand, went platinum, and then two thousand one, we're we've released our second album. So your second album. And so nine eleven number has one already. In it already gone platinum, and it was done, and and we have moved on. Like about a year later than is when this radio thing happened. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. And so then all of a sudden this happens and. Word gets around different DJs that hey, this this the song's going nuts and like and it was like kind of harkened back in the days when you hear like Wolfman Jack would lock himself in his booth and just play a song. These DJs got excited about kind of they were kind of into finding something, and so these other stations that were friends of that DJ or that he worked at their thing in St. Louis decided to try it, and it worked again. And people were like talking about it and. The biggest thing the DJs would tell us later on was that we've never had someone call and thank us for playing something. Jeez Louise. And so they were into it. Well, it, it, we and so I called the label. I'm like, what, what do we do? Like, I mean, normally if you're going to go pop, you're going to water something down. But this is Dance of the Girl That Brought You. What do we do with this? And they were like, well, we don't know. And And so they had this idea that we sent CDs to all the top 40 stations and it just said, Play it, please play it once. If you get a response, yeah, you know, play it again. If not, just throw it away. And not like New York never played it, LA never played it, but all the places that did, it went number one on their their local charts or whatever. The craziest one was in Orlando. We became a bit to where they just made fun of us the whole time, like they thought it was the biggest joke. Made fun of their stations. And they're like, because people would, it, word would get around and people would, Orlando would ask for it. And they're like, come on, dude. And so we became an ongoing punchline for their morning show every day. Like, uh, you know, like they had like a top 10 reasons not to play Jesus music, all this stuff. Well, and our label or somebody got a hold of them. They're fine. Like, Look, you know, uh, and maybe they were mad because somebody in label kept asking. I don't know. But they said, all right, tell you what. Um, we're going to do like a battle of the songs. So they made a huge deal and led up to this. We're going to play both these songs and you're going to vote which one stays and which one we burn, literally burn. And so it was 50 Cent in the club and us. 50, in the club is the biggest song. 
and they did it and I don't know about now if, or if they even exist anymore, but at the time it's the only song to ever get a hundred percent of the vote and imagine beat it by a hundred percent. And they became our biggest fans. Like they, they flipped and became massive supporters, like so such cool guys, but they're like, amazing. yeah, that yeah, it's amazing. It is amazing. So did it end up, it charted in the mainstream, right? Yeah. It went, uh, uh, yeah, it went top, uh, I think it was top five. Well, it was. It went to number two in like the adult contemporary, mm-hmm. and then it went top ten on top forty without L.A. and New York, which without, is ins- it yeah. shows you how much yeah. the other. Stations. I think New York did play it once, but L.A. or or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. I think L.A. played it because like New York, like all the talks, like Leno would have us, but none of the, Letterman. There's no way New York was opposed to it, and L.A. was a little softer for that kind of stuff. John, can I be honest with you? Well, you didn't give me a chance to respond. Well, this is a test. Are you going to oh, do it? okay. Uh, Dave. Yes, okay. Okay. Can I be honest with you about something? Please. Call me Dungeons because I'm dragging it in. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm really, so, really struggling. That is so bad. Yeah. Listen, me too. But yeah. listen to this. What? Listen. Oh. You know what that is? What? That's something that can help. What, and what, it's not a nap, Dave. What, what is it? I'll tell you what it is. Okay. It's a signature line of incredible coffee created mm-hmm. by one of the best roasters in America, voted by Gear Patrol. That is Dave. that is oddly specific, which I respect yep. and totally agree. With Methodical Coffee's Dadville blend. You guessed it. You guessed <laughs> it's it. It's created around an amazing trifecta of taste. Let me guess. Okay. Okay. Yep. Uh, there's maple in there? Yes. Yep. And cinnamon? Mm-hmm. Hints of, I'm going to say, oak. Jeez, not even close. It's chocolate, <laughs> graham, and brown sugar, but I really appreciated your trying. Okay. Well, listen, Dave. Methodical coffee. Mm-hmm. They offer a wide variety of flavor profiles Ooh. that range from the classics that are bold and chocolatey. Chocolate you love those. Yes. Contemporary that are medium-bodied and fruity. Mm-hmm. That's kind of more me. Yep. All the way to the avant-garde that are oh. pushing Oh my gosh. Visit www.methodicalcoffee.com for more information and use the discount code DADVILLE for 10% off your first order. That's methodicalcoffee.com and use the code DADVILLE for 10% off your first order. That is bananas. Let let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. I'm always interested in knowing like anytime an artist has like massive success on something or any level of Mm -hmm. success... I feel like, you know, there's there's the relationship with the success while it's happening. And mm-hmm. then as you live beyond that, your relationship to past success to me is always fascinating. Mm-hmm. Because like with my own thing, like, you know, it's like you've got the record that you know most of the fans love. And I, you know, I went through years of being insecure about that. Sure. Like that tour's over. I've put out two records since right. then. Like, why do, no one? Why aren't you asking for the most? You know, so you kind of like go through <laughs> ebbing and flowing right. with with that. So what? And I'm sure this is a longer answer than we have time for. But like, what is? How do you sum up kind of your relationship with the success of that? With song? Imagine, yeah. Um, um, I mean, I'll never complain. Like, there are nights we get tired of doing it or whatever. But but we're we're no dummies. Like we we get yeah. You know, we're going to always play it. I think the joke was like audio adrenaline. They were like, man, why couldn't ours have been that and not big house or whatever? It's oh, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, we got to play it every night or whatever. But no, I, I never, it, and, and 
I struggled more with the whole pressure of duplicating it than yeah. like, yeah. like I've, I love Imagine. And what I love most is that 20 something years later, every night the response is somehow different than mm-hmm. it was the night before. Like they're, these people are genuinely into it. Like they've never heard it or there's something the, the song has become theirs and we're doing something live that they've been waiting for. Mm. And I get that and I appreciate that. And so I give it everything I have on that. Um, the, the hard part was just the pressure of following it up for a while mm. and, you know, or, or the whole, you know, maybe you should do another heaven song. It's like a, the, I struggle with that stuff more mm-hmm. than it's like, you know, it, it's cause you know, we have imagined let's just sing that and do something different. And so they go through seasons to where like, I would, I would, I don't know if I say run away from it, but like, you know, there'd be reasons like it's not reinventing the wheel for us, but that next album or, it, we would intentionally like, I don't want it to be anything like this, even though it would yeah. be, you know, but you know, it's mercy me. It's my voice, but you want to feel like you're trying to push the envelope. Right. Yeah. Even though it's never being pushed as far as you think it is. Exactly. Yeah. But to me, I'm like, man, it feels good to me. So that, that's the biggest struggle. I, um, yeah, I still, I've never, I don't think I've ever said like, I don't want to sing it tonight. Yeah. Um, um, there are songs that I, that are, personally that I can't sing just because of I'm so far beyond like what that song is with my dad. It's just a, it's just a song for everybody else. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. I've separated from it. And so, mm-hmm. and I appreciate, I just love the fact that people still dig it. And the fact that I'm getting to be in a band and play kids games, what it feels like for 28 years is nuts. And, and, and so I've, I've, I've done my best to try to remain grateful, you yeah. know, uh, for sure. But, um, but yeah, it's, I've, I've never had the, the, the only time they probably struggled was that very next song was, and it was an internal pressure and in the label just like, because it's like, how do you duplicate going to pop radio? And you don't like, what's the next move? We don't water it down. Well, right. if we're as bold as the first one, there's no way it's going to happen again. Yeah. And what's crazy is, is like, uh, our next song, which is a song called here with me off of our, cause we just skipped that second album. By the time Imagine run its course, Word of God Speak was blowing up on Christian music, Christian radio. And that was the second single off Spoken For, I think. And But it was more like that was great and all, but the labels focused on the mainstream stuff. So by the time Imagine ran its course, it yeah, was time for the third record. So the mainstream, and that was kind of like our second album, was an album called Undone. And, uh, which is the, that's the album when I first heard of you, cause Jeremy Cowart was doing our photo sh- shoot. Oh yeah. And, uh, was it chasing Mississippi? Yeah. yeah. Was, I don't know if it was brand, it was brand new to me. I don't know how long it'd been out and he was playing it during the photo shoot. And I was like, what is this? And he was like, oh, it's Dave Barnes, man. I guess all you guys were buddies kind of yeah, come yeah. together. Yeah. And I was obsessed with that record. I still love that record. Okay. And, uh, and so anyway, and, uh, um, uh, that that was that was just a nugget there, a treat for you. But uh, oh, I'm gonna make that my ringtone. So <laughs> the first single off Undone was a song called "Here with Me," and the cool thing was was that uh, they said, "Well, we'll try to go to mainstream," and and uh, we were also trying to promote a tour, and all of those radio stations, like, were whatever we did, whatever that song did for them, people thanking them and stuff. They were so grateful. They never charged us for our ads for tour spots. Wow. They instantly cool. played it no matter. Like they, it, one guy was like, I don't know what Christian is, is or isn't. I just dig you guys. So they played it without even, there was no testing. And I think it went, it went to, it was, it did top 20. And, that's amazing. And that's it really is. And that was the last time we kind of tried. Cause it was like, we, there's, you can't write a book for this. I don't yeah, know. Right. 
and, and it was a weird time because like I wouldn't wish that season on my worst enemy. Wow. Because we were doing all of we were doing a, almost. I bet we got close to three hundred dates a year that those couple of years because we were we already had the Christian stuff and you booked. had kids now. Uh, yeah, I had one. Yeah, Jeez and uh, but Louise. we had a platinum record in Christian, so we were booked like crazy. And then this mainstream stuff was like overnight, like, hey, you've got to mm-hmm. go to Leno on Thursday. Yeah. You got to do this. So in was like, well, don't say no to any of it. And um, and so the hard part was, um, the mainstream stuff was cool, but like I I was at I was at a place then, not that it's changed, but at that time I wanted to charge hell the water pistol and my calling, my calling charge. <laughs> Charge hell with a water. I was gung ho, dude. Running and into hell. Charge hell with a water. Pistol. Okay, yeah. I mean yeah. that is with an now. amazing image. <laughs> 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 pew pew. <laughs> so, but I was like, I, I believe what I was doing mattered so much. But it, I never like like the church stuff. I never looked at it like I have a chance to share the good news with mainstream because yeah. there was no. It was like the that thing you do. Leave your headphones. Like you're two seconds in, sing the song, you're out. Yeah. And so I was more dis- i was more bothered that it was getting in the way of our christian wow. market huh. wow and you know and the labels like this is you know everybody wants this or whatever and it was cool it was awesome but i was the one that was kind of like hey man can we not do that again because one we're not going to be able to plan it there's no yeah. way yeah. we're not going to manufacture this and yeah. so it's great if they like it or whatever but this is what we really want to do yeah and um and so yeah it was just hard i mean it was it happened so fast and it was just so man just flying from coast to coast and you know one night we'd be at first baptist church wherever then the next night we'd be at uh, fort hood with jessica simpson and and whoever else singing to the guys that caught saddam kind of stuff and then we'd go back to first baptist wherever and then we'd go to ryan seacrest christmas special and then we'd and it was and it was like oh, i hated it i mean i loved mm. being there and doing it I hated the travel. Yeah. The yeah. So I, I hated and the travel. with a with a newborn. Oh yeah, or yeah, one yeah. Year it was old. it was hard. That's it was tough. really hard. And yeah, and I you know it it was tough. But uh, but you know what? And the crazy part is, is that when the movie happened years and years later, uh, it happened like on a bigger scale than all that. But at this time, we had the wherewithal to say no to stuff, and so. Yeah. We really had a chance to... Did it to, chart again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, we... we uh, Yeah, it did. We did a new version, uh, and it was all... I just wanted... I, With Lecrae. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, exactly. We... Uh, uh, and Pitbull. I, the only reason I did a new version is because I didn't know the rules, and I, I, I thought, man... Because Lionsgate had gotten on board with the movie, and I thought, I, there's no way we're going to win Oscar, but... If you have an original song, you might right. get nominated because right. that's all about them putting their bucks behind it. And Lionsgate said, like, hey, we're not a Pixar show. We're not a musical. They said, but, like, this is around a song, and you're the only one we have. And so they were willing to – I was like, just to be say you're nominated. Who cares? Like, that's totally. amazing. And that's one of those categories, like, meh. It's not – you know, it's like best packaging or whatever, and it's not a big one. <laughs> best packaging. <laughs> and so – and so, and then, so we, I called Ben Shive and was like, we got to do a new version of Imagine. So we did it and I loved it and then put it out there and realized, oh, it has to be a song that's never been released before. Uh, it has to yeah. be literally yeah. original. So I was bummed. So but it, I, is that the version that then went to radio or the original well, version? Well, we made it? a greatest hits album called Imagine With That. And yeah, that went and charted. It didn't chart. It, it, like it, 
it, it charted briefly. Like they played it during that six week stint of the movie. Yeah. But the, the greatest hits went platinum and, um, God, when greatest, hit, when greatest hits don't sell at all. Yeah. And especially in a streaming, this is just 2018. Yeah. That's yeah. a, to sell it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was nuts. But then that, that whole, the whole movie thing, like I, I, I I'm grateful for what we went through just even a little bit because the movie thing was like I, nothing I've ever been a part of or seen of how they, that whole thing was an eight year process from when they asked Jeez. us to make it to it actually getting made and released. And then they go to box office. If you're lucky, you get four to six weeks before it's gone. A huge one like Black Panther, maybe nine to 10 weeks. Wow. And then it goes to home video. And so it's like you spend all of this time for it to be a mad sprint for, let's say, four weeks. And then it's over. It's Jeez. like you may promote DVDs, but those were on their way out. Yeah. You know, that's not like what it was. Like Blu-ray was already kind of done. And so it's just going to streaming service. So after that four weeks, all of that work... Like the, the weird depression, that, that post-depression yeah, of making yeah, an yeah, album yeah, or whatever. Yeah, right. It's times a million on that kind of stuff. Wow. Uh, and so that was like, and, but the, the the amount of stuff we did in that four weeks, because like it was just a weird situation to where, um, you know, we're an active band. We're touring. Uh, Dennis Quaid was way into the movie. And when you get paid to make a movie, all the junket stuff you do, that's not part of your pay. That's like you they volunteer to do that or no way. Or, I didn't know or that. maybe do a separate deal. That's on their own. Yeah. And of course they, and they, and some of them may have back end where it's, it's good for them to do it, but he was all in dude. And so he, so us and Dennis just made the rounds to everywhere. And like, like it would be like two or three or four places in a day, like flying back and forth. Jeez. It was nuts, but it was fun. It was really fun, but it was crazy. I'm the only reason it was fun. Cause it was over in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, you right. know, I'm curious about with, with your kids, like what was it like with them, with the movie? It was awesome because everything before happened when my first son was, I got five kids uh. and Sam is 20 and my youngest miles is 11. And uh, this one was amazing because all of them were old enough to enjoy it. Like they knew that dad made music. Uh, they've heard stories of old, if you will, or whatever yeah. about the, the good old days or whatever. But that whole thing, like everything from the premiere, they did the skirmer horn and Scott Hamilton got involved and made it a massive thing. And, and um, just, it was just done. So it's a whole different level from this corny little Christian band that, you know, like it was, and for them to be there and to eat it all up and to see the movie stars and all that kind of stuff was, that was the raddest part of it all was mm -hmm. that they were old enough to, <laughs> I mean, to take I it can in. only imagine how I would be on the drive home after that. It's just like the car's yeah. quiet and you're going to look it in the rearview mirror like, oh, dude, right. I told, oh, oh, ahead, your pops. oh, and I, and, and, <laughs> your pops. and you and I That's probably what both. I've been telling you guys. <laughs> yeah. And, and that junk, this whole bit's what I do with my wife always, just as a joke. So they're all kind of dozing off and I'm like in my little tucks or whatever. I'm like, Still got it. She's like, oh, you're a dork. <laughs> and I'm like, that's right. This minivan is a limo. <laughs> yeah, so somebody telling me that, it may not be. But. So, so one of the things I thought about with that movie, because I know it showcases a lot of your dad and your mm -hmm. relationship, which obviously I'm sure is fabricated to some degree. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But again, I, I keep thinking about your kids. Cause I think about me, like what it would be like for them if they're watching that. Mm -hmm. Is that something where you're in the car or the next week or two, they're like, hey, it was – granddad like that or what was that like or or did they know that yeah you know that relationship walking in and how did that how'd that play out they uh the good news is because it took eight years like I've, I've talked a lot about my dad on stage and a lot of my therapy has been songs i've written because of that like 
dear younger me and all this other stuff. And, and so they've heard me talk about it for all of their lives. And, um, and so, but in that process, like when I read the first script, it was very emotional. Uh, you know, you see the first edit, it's very emotional. You see it in front of a crowd. It's very emotional. Like all the first times are mm. really intense, but they're also, every time I'd read something, I realized I, I need to kind of explain what's happening, you mm-hmm. know? And, and so they were kind of, without actually seeing it, they were very aware of it and how he was. And, you know, there's, there's some scenes like my whole thing was like, uh, there's a lot of inaccuracies. Like I, I grew up in, in a neighborhood like this, not on a farm, but yeah. it looks better on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that, you know, or like the colors of my high school football team, you know, just dumb stuff that I didn't care about, but like the scene, the violent scenes, the conversations, they were really cool to handle. Those were as accurate as I can remember. Like that's was handled those with kid gloves. So when he breaks the plate over my head, or, yeah. that was incredibly accurate, but whether it was snowing outside or daytime, I didn't care. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, and so those were the scenes to where it was like, you can prep your kids as much as possible when he smacks a plate over your head. My middle daughter just kind of, she just kind of held onto my arm in the theater oh, and just like, was, and, and cause, and cause I was like, that was the premiere was like, I'd seen it in front of a few people, but to hear people laugh at the jokes or gasp at that stuff. Dude, I was a wreck. Like, I can't it's imagine. Like, yeah, it's like just, I mean, just, and I thought I was, Dennis Quaid of all people told me when we were filming, he said, watch it as many times you can before it comes out. You've got to desensitize yourself to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that definitely helped. But the, you know, it's like being funny here and then 10,000 people laughing yeah, your jokes yeah, or yeah. singing your song. It's a rush. It just affects you more. And yeah. I remember just them gasping and just like, and just instantly sobbing. My da- and then my daughter holding me, that's got me sobbing, stuff like that. And so that was, that's the last time I've seen the movie was the premiere. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's not like a rom-com. <laughs> it's not the most, it's gotta be not so the most bizarre. fun joyride ever. But uh, how, how has your relationship with your dad informed how you parent? Like, oh man. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely evolved. Like, I, there was a long time when I, I grew up thinking that I was going to be a divorced parent because I'm a divorced kid. Like, wow. like mm-hmm. I didn't have a choice. And so there's a lot of anger. Like my dad, when my dad passed away, he's my best friend. He was unbelievable. But that was his life turned around. I'm like, I'm in high school about to graduate. And we were like buddies. Like I, I lost my best friend. Uh, not so much on the parenting side. Didn't get a lot of, you know, Hey, yeah. let me, let me fix this. So right. it didn't leave me much as how to be a parent, but my best friend passed away. Mm. And, uh, and so, uh, just trying to figure that stuff out, you know, like all of us are like those moments to where it's like, it's in the moment or right after I realize I'm doing exactly what my dad would have done or, mm. You know, or like I don't have a short fuse, but there are some things like ordering in a drive-thru will just set me off for my kids. Like, oh, I hate it so much. But thing, and I'm like, and it's nothing. Like I've never snapped on my kids like my dad did. But even just raising my voice, I'm like, ah, I swear I would never be that. Yeah, almost to where I'm the most passive-aggressive man on the planet. Well, that's what I was gonna ask. I so don't want to be him. And yeah. that's in that yeah. sense. Yeah, I wondered if it would push you so far the other way yes, yes. that you're not able to like oh, discipline the 100% yeah. like discipline is tough for me and then like like my mom just passed away like two mm. weeks ago oh jeez mm. and uh and that's a whole different that's a complicated relationship but it was yeah. it was beautiful at the end mm. but 
um, you know, just going through that in the last, she, she'd been really, really sick for about 70 or 80 days. And so just going through that this last season, um, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, some of these things, like I start seeing with her, especially there are things that I almost, uh, resented that reminded me of her, like things she passed on to me. So mm. if you will. And it wasn't because the things were bad. It's because there was a resentment I had to work through with, yeah. you know, kind of feeling like I got left by my mom when I was young. Mm-hmm. And um, um, what was the question? I just went and ran off. No, uh, that was you nailed it. Just like well, how how the how your parents affected your parents. Yeah, it's just and and I, the, I right now I'm trying to. Um, oh, I know. What I was gonna say disciplining is hard, my kids. And also because my mom passed away in the last couple of weeks, uh, my wife jokingly said. Man, you got grief goggles on. We're gonna be buying a lot of Amazon stuff or whatever, and like, just it, it, she wasn't wrong. Grief goggles. And what's funny is, like, um, like about a week after the funeral, my middle daughter, who's the funniest person on the planet, uh, she's like, "Hey, Dad, um, how you doing?" I was like, "Pretty good." She goes, "How clear are those grief goggles? Because those Nikes are looking pretty good." Oh my! <laughs> and I gosh. was like, uh, "Life is short. <laughs> Two pair, please." But like, so and I, I, they're so, uh, and my mom, there's a couple of things that have affected me as a parent. The best advice I was ever given, which is pretty vague. Uh, somebody told me before Sam was ever born, my oldest, he said, we, Shan and I stress out about if we're going to get it right or not all mm, the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, somebody, I think a doctor, somebody told me, he goes, Hey man, if you worry whether you're a good parent or not, you're probably a pretty good parent. Oh man, that's a good word. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so just relax. He goes, yeah. there are a lot of people that don't even worry about it at all and mm. don't care. And I was like, and for some reason that's been like, that's something I've held onto for a long time because you're going to get it wrong. Right. But even the fact that you may lose sleep over getting it wrong, it's better than most, you know? Hey Dave. John. Yeah, yeah you're on it today. It's see, listen, I'm just, I'm reading your vibe, but mm-hmm. you're humming a lot. Well, I can me, tell you're not. You're sort of off in the clouds. Yeah, What's going I'll on? tell you why. Okay, and this will this will make it all make sense. Okay. I just finished a new knew song. It. I knew it. Yeah, but there's something missing, huh? Can I tell you? I got just the thing to kick it off. Wait. Uh, yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't think that's gonna work. Oh, like at all. Oh. However, oh, that is the sound of another sale on oh, Shopify, man. the all-in-one commerce platform to start run and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. Yep. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. I, I, if I've said that once, I've said it a thousand times. Well, that's how times. you always describe love. Yep, that's right. I've been using Shopify on my website for years. And it's made things so much easier. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. You gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. God, you sound so smart Mm, right now. I'm so jazzed. Go to shopify.com slash dadville, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash dadville right now. That's shopify.com slash dadville. So I'm curious. This is something I like to ask other other parents. What is, is there a particular thing that on any given night, like you go to bed, your head hits the pillow and you think about that day? Like for, for me, it's, spending just a, 
a couple quality moments with both of my daughters mm. separately. Like if I don't feel like I did that that day. Oh, I see what you're saying. I stress about it. Yeah, I um um cuz five kids is a lot. It is a lot. Um I don't I don't I'm trying to think if I I don't let me think. Maybe lately I don't go to bed with many regrets. Uh-huh. But on those days to where you nail it and it's like I found time for Sophie and Charlie and these guys all stuff, I will recall those like not pat myself on the back, but like, yes, yes, yes. If it I, feels so good when you feel yeah. like you did oh, it yeah, well yeah. that day. And so I, yeah. I relish in that. If I get it wrong, no lie, it, I'll usually say, I get to try again tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I try, and, and I think that was, I went through a lot of therapy because it's before the movie came out. And that was something they taught me was like, man, it, 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 and the way she said it, you know, you get people that say hateful things about your music. And mm-hmm. you get worked up and you want to say something. And and this same lady was like, if you can't answer the nice letters, don't answer the mean ones. Wow. And I've good. And, and, or, or when there's not many people in the crowd, never be mad at the ones that came. Yeah. yeah. Cause you know, you can get mad when it's empty. That's and a it's like, great what an incredible, it's a beautiful thing. And it applies to everything. <laughs> Thanks like for coming guys. Know, but have you ever had that attitude when it's empty a and you're million like, times. I hate all of you. And it's like, don't be mad at the ones that showed up. They're here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I thought that's such a beautiful thing. And so as a parent, I do the same thing. There'll be days like yesterday, I got it all wrong. And, um, and just, it just, and it's, I, I'm out of the, we're working the studio. Yesterday was my first day of nothing to do. And I, y'all are probably the same. I can go so fast from doing something that matters in the world and that is important to mankind to the next day wanting to put on dress socks and flip-flops and re- like I'm a grandfather. Like, yeah. what am I doing? Like, yeah. the re-entry is awful when it comes yeah. to my house. Whether yeah. I'm touring in the studio, the sense of hopelessness that I can feel within a 30-minute shift. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, will I ever make music again? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, you just sent your vocal. No, You're like, like if, that's if we it. call my wife, she would tell you that this morning – I popped up and went, is today the podcast? Oh, thank God. Like, I had something to do. <laughs> and I was just in the studio. <laughs> and it's so stupid how fast I swing. But, with but then kids. while you're in the studio, do you? is there a part of you that, like, dreams uh, like, about doing nothing oh, no forever? no question. No question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, I hate doing – I do hate doing vocals. Yeah. I hate doing vocals because they're so – do it again, do it again. And yeah. I'm just like, I just one day I just want to be done with this. And then, like, uh, it's three hours later, I'm like – I just want to sing one more time. <laughs> just let me do one more. Just one more take. <laughs> exactly. And so with parenting, I've taken that to heart. She's like, you're going to blow it a lot of days. Just remember, you get another shot. Yeah. Mm. But she said, but also relish in the times where you get it right. Yeah. yeah. Ruin right. it for all of us. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So we always end with two questions. Yeah. First of all, thank you for your time. Oh, of this course. Yeah, wonderful. Awesome. Great. Um, okay, first, what is the one thing you want your kids to know? Like, just in general? Or, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, uh, the, uh, well, and now I'm having a hard time because I'm like, in, uh, since we're in this, what we're talking about, um, the, the one thing I want my kids to know, what can I say to well, you? Yeah, go. This is your show. The one, the more personal, like when we're talking, is that I tried. Mm. You know what I mean? As a parent, because I feel like my most inexperience is as a dad and a husband. That's like I didn't, like I feel like I had more advice musically than I did like as far as growing up and doing that. 
And the other one would be that um, probably most important of all is that Jesus matters mm-hmm. because um, like a preacher's kid, I'm assuming like they see the ins and outs of what I do and they see, you know, first world problems of all the success, but so much to where don't change a thing, don't derail this mercy me machine to where they would see me unhappy with that I can't do whatever I want musically mm-hmm. or I can't, you know, or I've got to be this or or be on all the time. It's got to be like a preacher's kid mm-hmm. to where they see both sides and sometimes they become very bitter towards it or whatever. That's That's been the, that that would be the one the two, I guess, for me. Yeah. I grew up in a bad home and then un- then found out what grace was and it was like discovering fire. What's <laughs> weird for this is my kids are truly growing up in grace and identity. That And it's like, what do you discover when you've been around fire your whole life? Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Like, it's just like another Tuesday for them and it was a life-changing for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was Sinbad that talked about it. He goes, you know, he goes, you remember when you were a kid, because nobody remembers the good times. You just remember you. The lessons are learned when you almost killed yourself. You know, when you walk in and you're not blinking, like something just happened outside with your friends. Uh-huh. And it's so true. It's like that's when your life is shaped forever. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, man. I know my son being a diabetic, and he was too. There's these things, but I'm like, how do I, how do I get across to them that Jesus matters? Not because it sold records. Not you know, what I'm, you yeah. know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a challenge, but that's that would be the thing I'd want. To it's know. like an occupational hazard. It really is. Ways. It yeah. really is. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, very last question. Yeah. Oh, um, we're still on. We're good. We're good. There we go. We're good. Uh, what do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Uh, he tried. <laughs> <laughs> and the, um, uh, uh, it would be the same that the band has said, like when the band's over, what do you want people to say about us? Hmm. Is that we tried to do it with integrity. Um, and that I'm hopefully... I'm the same person at home that I am anywhere else. Mm, um, yeah. And that I was just there, that I was present, not there, that I was present. Yeah. Cause I can't always be there, but mm. I can do my, I can do better at being present. Mm. And uh, man, it's, I'm one of the few that COVID, we, you know, we, we made it through, we were healthy, we got it, but it wasn't hu- a huge deal. And so I'm not belittling at all, but it was a game changer for us. Cause you know, when you travel for a living, I mean, I'm hoping that I never have that much time. I mean that in a, I don't want the world to go, come mm-hmm. to me in that I'll never get that season again. And we are very aware of it. And so there were days to when the most important thing I did that day was what flavor ice cream am I getting with Sophie, my 11 year old. And it was freaking awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll never, I mean, I'm, I'm so sorry for the people who went through loss and I'm not, but I'm just like, for us, like it was like, like I, I was at church one morning and this, this wrecked me. I don't even know who said it. And they said, uh, name something, describe, describe COVID and what you're going through. And somebody's like depressed, you know, uh, alone. And then one guy said, saved my marriage. Wow. And I lost it. Wow. And I, I was like, all right, that, that, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm such a, I'm such a sap dude. And oh, just like too. that. That um, uh, what was the sleeping at last? The Enneagram songs. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's like if you want to know what number you are, just the one you cry hardest. Oh at yes, is yeah. you. It's got you. I hit yeah. six and I was done, man. I was <laughs> gone. <laughs> I'm looking for the exits. <laughs> Wiped out, man. Yeah. Anyway, so but yeah, that one when he said save my marriage, I was like, gosh, like I don't know. It just it 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 hit hard for me. Yeah. And our marriage wasn't in a bad spot, but I was. 
thank God I was able to just because we travel so much to right. try to be present and mm-hmm. say this may never happen again. Yeah, yeah. Like, this may ne- my kids will never be this age. I'll yeah. never have this time. Mm-hmm. And so every day was like, if we're going to get ice cream, we're doing it big. Like, yeah. You know, that's the way it felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You're a legend. You Thanks guys, Dad Phil, great, finally. Dad Phil. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested.